0: Welcome to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast, where business leaders tell their stories and share their insights. All our guests have a personal connection with Nottingham Business School, so listen, learn, enjoy, and share.
1: So, welcome to the latest episode of Nottingham Business School's Business Leaders Podcast with me, Mike Sassy. Now, Raleigh is probably the world's best known cycle brand. It's also part of the Dutch Axel Group, which is one of the biggest bike companies in Europe. Its history goes back to the 19th century when Sir Frank Bowden built the first Raleigh bike in Nottingham. But it was in the 1970s that the company produced the era-defining chopper bike that became iconic in its own right. At that time, Nottingham's Raleigh factories employed thousands of local people. Now Raleigh bikes are manufactured on the other side of Europe. But the Raleigh UK headquarters are still in Nottinghamshire and we've come to its offices here in Eastwood to talk to the company's new MD, Appointed in June during lockdown. That's Lee Kidger. Lee, thank you for the invitation. No worries, Mike.
0: Thank you for coming.
1: Now you've just completed a thousand kilometer charity bike round. How was that?
0: Yeah, it was it was more Raise Awareness for Stroke Association, which was it was close to my heart because my granddad had a had a stroke in in December this year. So just to try and raise a bit of money for that. So yeah, it was good to kind of work towards that. It was a long seven days, oh, around about better. 40 hours on the bike. Oh, yeah, yeah it was more mentally straining than physically. But you still managed to cycle into work this morning? Yes, finally got back onto the bike, which is <laughs> good. Took a week off and commuting to work is good. It Definitely works.
1: Because Raleigh famously pays its staff 10 pence a
0: mile to ride to and from work and another five pence for charity. We implemented this at the start of this year really to start trying to, you know, reward our staff for riding into work because actually it promotes a lot of health benefits. There is a lot of studies out there that really showcase that actually you come into work more energized and, you know, whether it's on a conventional bike or whether it's on an electric bike, it's kind of what more businesses should do to really promote not just jumping into a car and driving into offices, shall we say. Lockdown has been good for cycling, hasn't
1: it? Lots more of us on bikes, huge government investment, new local authority powers to make roads more bike-friendly. You know, you've just been appointed. Are you the, <laughs> a man in the <laughs> right place
0: at the right time? You could say that. It's an interesting time for cycling. You know, it was back when lockdown kind of started, a government really did promote cycling as a mode of exercise, um, and that really did see an elevation in the amount of people cycling, whether they were buying new bikes or whether they were getting getting their old bike out and getting them fixed. And and you could certainly see families trying to get out for their daily hour of exercise. Then you look at like, as you move on, actually the investment that's gonna be coming in to cycling and you know actually what we want to try and do is really understand how do we make this fundamental change that's what i was gonna ask do you think it's gonna stick yeah i really hope so and i think that if you look at some of the stuff that's happening at the moment with the government through whether it be creating more cycle lanes we need to make them more structural rather than almost more you know how they're looking now is very much temporary measures, you can kind of see where they are. Um, temporary,
1: what do, you, what do you mean by
0: that? The government are very much using cones and bollards to really kind of right. segment the road from cyclists and, and cars, and actually what we need to see now is more investment in making them permanent fixtures, because for me that's how we make them changes, certainly in urban environments, but also outside of urban environments.
1: So even before lockdown, cycling has come back, why do you see that has been so.
0: You know, look at 2012, the Olympics, that did create a big buzz in terms of riding your bike. I do think that there's actually a bit more of an emphasis on health and fitness and leisure coming through. And people are more conscious. You look at some of the sustainability uh, measures that people are now putting out into the marketplace. And and I really feel that actually, look at the electric vehicles that are coming on. A lot of your sales, or a
1: major proportion of your sales, are now e-bikes.
0: Yeah, you know, e-bikes or electric bikes across whether they be a leisure bike or going to work or people putting into on their caravan or whatever or electric mountain bikes you know we have a high proportion of sales in in the electric bike market and how do you see that going increasing for me continue to increase and we are massively behind say the german market which sells over a million electric bikes a year or the netherlands for example they just get more people into cycling you can you can do them two ways either you can ride just as hard as you would ride a a non-electric bike or a conventional bike but you'd get to your point of destination 20 percent quicker for example or you can really just have it nice and easy. There's still pedal assist, so you've got to get exercise to ride, but actually, you know, you get to work, you're not as sweaty as, say, if you were to ride a, ride a normal bike, you could do it more days because it's not as much strain on your body and your joints and everything. So we firmly believe that electric bikes are here to stay. And it's quite an exciting time. The electric bike is gaining momentum and, and you know, we, as Rally, if we look at the leisure sector, which is kind of where Rally are, You know everybody remembers rally they had their first bike of rally etc and you know we do resonate with a lot of customers in terms of our branding and that is bringing more and more people into the cycling world and
1: we're just talking about e-bikes there also cargo bikes. Now I, I saw a fantastic picture online, two great Nottingham brands, Raleigh and Weavers. you were delivering their wine.
0: We've just kind of launched our business-to-business cargo bikes, two-wheeler bike and a three-wheeler trike, really to work with businesses around the country to really offer sustainable and last mile delivery solutions. Typically within the urban sector, that's where we've seen the most focus at the moment. I do believe that actually that you might see that in village environments as well, whether it's the local florist or bakers or butchers that could use a cargo bike to deliver locally. For us. Cargo, and if you look at kind of what the government are talking about, last mile delivery solutions, you'll see probably Oxford being the first city to kind of almost lock down their mile or two miles in terms of the cars allowed into the city. How are the abundance of delivery drivers going to get into the city? So we've (laughs) been. Can we have some cargo bikes? <laughs> you know, and we, we've tried to keep it local as well. So we will some of the bikes we will hand deliver, um, just because they are a little bit different to normal bikes.
1: You've got a very traditional brand, traditional industry, but innovation is incredibly important.
0: Massively, because if you look at the way of the world, everybody wants new technology. Look at Apple developing a, a new iPhone every year, or whether it be Adidas or Nike for the trainers, constantly developing product. And if we were just to yes, we're iconic, but we've got to be forward thinking in terms of AR branding and be our product offering. Being part of Axel Group gives us access to a lot of innovation and technologies across Europe and that really harnesses that into the UK market.
1: I noticed that um your last accounts showed a two and a half million pound loss on, on 37 million pound turnover but we know that since then there's been a big jump in turnover, the things that you just talked about, cargo bikes and e-bikes, um, such that, um, and then of course obviously there was lockdown as well, everybody got on the bikes. So what is driving those extra revenues?
0: We are seeing a lot of people venture from the standard bicycle to an electric bicycle. Obviously the electric bike is at a higher average transactional value, so you will certainly see people people move across into that and really just well, bring a new customers into the market that maybe cycle. 20 years ago and had their bike in their shed got the bike out they really enjoyed it and actually instead of spending five or six hundred pounds on a conventional bike actually what they decided to do was spend two thousand pound on an electric bike because they really understood what benefits that that electric bike could give them not only for fitness but also for work and you know transport because what you would normally do if if the shop's two miles down the road you'd probably just jump in your car pre-covid and go and get some bread and some milk or whatever actually now how do you just use your bike to do that and you know really try and stay away from them shorter distances
1: so it's a great time to be working for a bike manufacturer a bike producer and you were appointed md in july
0: so officially started on the first of
1: july first of july so that's in the, that's still in still in lockdown yep at the age of just 31 so looking at your own career plan did the opportunity come
0: early uh, it, it definitely came earlier than i expected i worked for rally for six years effectively started off at the bottom as a territory account manager covering east anglia from a commercial sense moved my way into key accounts and then really our uh, key account management in terms of commercial so working with some of the top businesses in the uk on bikes and then there was an opportunity about two and a half years ago where the previous MD Pippa said, look, our parts and accessories business, which is our B2B distribution, really said, look, we've got an opportunity to really develop that as a, as a physical business and, and create a proper team there. And, you know, I, I took that leap. It meant moving the family from the Essex Suffolk border all the way up to Nottinghamshire, which, you know, was a big decision for the family. But, you know, actually what we said was that it's the right decision for career moving forward. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a real interesting time to become managing director had you always been interested in bikes yeah always been i've always been interested in bikes always typically when i was a teenager it was more to take the bike to a park to play football and turn it upside down and use it as goalposts and stuff you know i my first job was working at a halford store typically just on the till and then opportunities led me into working into the bicycle department and that was really where i developed a real passion for A, bikes, but also business. That was when I was studying for a degree as well. I did a sports and business management degree at Essex University and had a view of becoming a sports or a PE teacher at that time. And yeah, it was one of them where I started to do the study and actually really enjoyed business. And that was where I felt like I wanted to go. So this promotion to managing director has come so early in your career that you're
1: actually um, still doing postgraduate qualifications.
0: Started a... MBA at Nottingham Trent University kind of at the start of this year and I think for me it's really important that managing directors and, and any business leaders are constantly developing their skills and the beauty for me and why I chose the course at Nottingham Trent University was really around ease of use and, and also the fact I can manage that within my time.
1: Is it... A great benefit to you to be so passionate about what you deal with every day. Would you recommend that to anybody
0: going into business? It's great to have a passion about bikes in this industry. You you, you get to see a lot of bikes, you get to see a lot of technology, you get to ride bikes. There's a lot of opportunity there. And you obviously love it. And I, and I do I really enjoy it. And actually, it doesn't have to be bikes. What you have to be as a business leader, I firmly believe that you've got to be passionate about what you're doing because if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're not going to be fully ingrained in it. As a leader, you. have have to really develop that otherwise you'll just get a bit stagnant you've got to come to work and really enjoy it and that's what pippa the previous md and, and myself moving forward is really developing a fun great atmosphere at rally because you have a you have a, a cycle track out here as well don't you yeah we you know about a few years ago we produced a velo park which is open to employees to really ride on there and we have you know weekly ride outs pre-covid anyway with as many people as as we wanted to you know we've got great facilities to commute here to uh, the office whether it be shower facilities being able to securely lock your bike up you mentioned earlier about the paying people to ride to work you know we've got some people that earn 50 pound a month extra just by commuting to work on their bike which you know is no small feat for them and actually that's a substantial amount of money for some people and Rally,
1: an iconic brand worldwide. You're in charge of something which started in 1930 years ago. Thousands of workers in the city in its heyday. Now 120 staff or so. Does that fantastic history and heritage pose you a challenge as managing Derek?
0: I don't think challenges, I think opportunities, really. You know, we have a lot of kind of brand fans of the rally, whether you had a chopper or a grifter or a burner, or you looked at kind of Yop Zupperman who won the the Tour de France in the 1980s on his TI replica. And, you know, look at the heritage of rally. And for us, we should be harnessing that into not only engaging with our brand fans, which we do, whether it be the rally burner trilogy that we did three bikes of, one a year, throughout the year or whether we engage with new customers. You know, I'm kind of the target audience for where Rally should be going in the future. 18 to 35 urban environment wants it to be fun and we're in the midst of a of a full rally rebrand not looking at the current customers we have but actually how do we get the new audience in coming in the next 18 months to two years will be some really exciting bikes that are going to be pushing the limits again and people remember rally as a fun exciting brand and, and we'll continue to test the boundaries in terms of that
1: but there will be
0: challenges
1: surrounding international supply chains because of COVID. How do you deal with those?
0: There's a lot of challenges with supply chain at the moment. We work very closely with our colleagues over at Axel Group to really develop a long-term supply chain that works for the business.
1: Because um, most of your business is in in
0: Europe, isn't it? You can still make the wheels on site here, don't you, in, 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 yes. in Nottinghamshire? I don't think it will change dramatically. We have great relationships with key strategic partners in terms of bike manufacturer, whether that be Shimano or. Bosch for example we do have to forward plan more we've got a really strong business intelligence team here at rally which are fully engrossed into our supply chain which actually starts to look at the next 12 18 24 months you know because we have to look that far out the bicycle industry doesn't have a super agile supply chain and if you look at the bicycle supply chain in terms of say fast moving consumer goods or anything like that we've got a long supply chain so we've got to really look 12 to 24 months out and it's a lot of planning a lot of prep work but for us, it's about using our salespeople because they are so close to the market to really understand how the market will look in 12 or 24 months time. We have such a great heritage in Raleigh and in Nottinghamshire. So we will always have a stable foothold in Nottinghamshire because that's so iconic with the brand. But we also being part of Axel Group and, you know, Axel Group are a, a 1.2 billion euro company. If you look at kind of our Axel strategy, it's lead global win local actually that's really kind of what we need to what we need to be focusing on so we will always keep our sales marketing logistics here relative for the UK and and Ireland markets and just piggyback on to what Axel Group are doing in a very strong way over in Europe Do you
1: think it is important that people buy into their industry such that it makes them a better staff member if they love what they stand for?
0: Look, the People have got to enjoy what they're doing it doesn't mean that they have to be absolutely engrossed into a bike or you know if we talk about Rally you know we've got a lot of people here that are absolutely engrossed in the technical aspects of a bike and they fully understand and ear ratios and disc brakes versus rim brakes and all of that kind of stuff. But you don't have to know all of that to be a great employee at Rally. What you have to do is you have to be passionate about riding a bike or passionate about the industry. And for us, that can mean anything. It can mean competing at your local race. We have a whole plethora of different people here. We have people that work in our wheel shop that commute on an electric bike every day, you know, and they do 30 mile round trips a day. But then we also have people that work in our parts accessories business that compete at national time trials, for example. So we've got that whole total spectrum of different people. You've had
1: great success in a relatively short period of time. If you were to go back to graduates, and this is a Nottingham Business School podcast, but if say you were going to advise graduates are coming out this year, coming out next year, what advice might you give them if you were starting your career today?
0: I think, for me, the key one is to analyse every opportunity and take an opportunity when it comes to you. And if you do have to step back to go forward that's not an issue. I made a decision when I was 22 to move away from a, from a team leader position at Halford to get out of the consumer-facing world and move into business-to-business sales. That was a significant pay decrease. But at that time, it was the right decision to make. And actually, if I look at it in hindsight now, it was absolutely the right decision to make. So for me, look at every opportunity. And, and if you do have to step back to go forward, then that's kind of fine. Everybody's got a lot of time. And I've still got a lot more years to work. What does the future hold for you then? I've got a big job to do here. We're on a journey as Rally. And for me, it's about taking Rally to the next level again. You know, Pippa has done a fantastic job of... Moving us from a business that really turned over around 35 to 37 million for a number of years, and we will turn some big development into that over the years. We will look at the way forward. Me personally, I want to take Rally to the next level because it's not just about product, it's about making sure that we get our fundamentals right. Previously, when I managed the parts and accessories business, we had a clear structure about getting the fundamentals right. Sounds bad, but doing the boring stuff really, really well.
1: That's great. So, Leaky. Managing Director of Valley UK. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much, Mike. If you enjoyed this episode, why not check out some of the other speakers in the series, which will include the head of Nottingham Castle, Sarah Blair Manning, the former banking executive, Robin Fole and sportswear marketing guru, Charlotte Cox. The Nottingham Business School Business Leaders podcast is produced for Nottingham Trent University by Celtic Tiger Productions. Your presenter was Honorary Visiting Professor Mike Sassy and your producer was Joe Savage.